basically two we have my guy one of my guys man um very very special guest with us today one of the best strength and conditioning coaches i personally work with and we'll definitely get into that obviously he's worked with plenty of other athletes as well accomplished entrepreneur you know being the ceo of strategic initiative as well as performance explorer and he does have his online programs with the strength and conditioning of course amazing husband amazing father ladies and gentlemen we've got vernon griffith with us today vernon how you doing today man good man that was uh quite the introduction man <laughs> thank, thank you absolutely and i, and I know uh I, I gotta give you your flowers man i know you're a humble dude but you know we gotta give you your flowers man you you a legend you a legend vernon so definitely appreciate you taking out the time i know it's a very busy time for you so you know definitely appreciate you taking out the time for the platform man i, I appreciate you having me on jordan thank you it's an honor one question I personally wanted to always ask you, Vernon, was what was your personal background with sports coming up? And ultimately, what led you into actually going into coaching? Man, so uh, I guess my journey is a lot different than a lot of my colleagues because mm-hmm. I hated working out growing up. I, yeah. I, hate, I hated the weight room. I hated everything about it. I was a small, skinny dude. I just happened to be really fast. So it kept me in sports. But I mean, I remember vividly faking injuries to get out of lifts. Um, and I have friends now that are like, dude, what do you do? Who are you right. working with? Like, how, how did you go from that person to this person? And, and honestly, it was just all I, I think it was all just a learning th- learning curve, mm-hmm. man. Like I, I didn't grow up doing it. And uh, one of my deployments while I was in the military, I got really into fitness, I guess. I lost a bunch of weight. I lost it the wrong way. Um, yeah. I felt terrible. So I started like self-educating myself and I was like, man, this is kind of cool. Um, I started going to college for it. Uh, started working with a lot of the athletes in that area when I was at in Florida and it kind of just blossomed. I finished up school, opened a couple businesses and it's just been, uh, it's been an interesting journey, but uh, one that I'm very thankful for the mentors I had along the way. And that's why I honestly wanted to ask you, because uh, that's very interesting that you shared that take that you were one of those guys who was faking the injuries to get out of workouts and stuff like that. And, um, you know, here you are, you know, doing it, killing it, you know, obviously transitioning to, you know, I'm definitely, like I said, thankful to have you part of starting that faith platform. Right. Because you actually took an early leap of faith when you were going from the transition of owning your own gym into, you know, going into your own private practice with the whole strength and condition and everything like that. Within making this, obviously, because this is a big move for you, was there any fear involved in that specific move? And if so, you know, how did you kind of propel that faith to overcome that fear in a way? I, I mean, absolutely. Uh, no one wants to worry about where their next meal's coming from or worry mm-hmm. about where their next paycheck's coming from. Um, I'm very fortunate to have the family that I do. Um, my wife is I mean, she's she's my my number one man. She's the backbone of our family, and she's been very supportive and believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Um, and honestly, it was during a time it was when COVID first kicked in. Yeah. So you start to, I think, as a professional in this field, blossoming and you know so many opportunities that have been coming up the past couple of years, working with the best coaches and best athletes in the world, like way bigger than this fishbowl that I grew up in, you know, you start to, your vision starts to get a little blurry on what matters. Mm -hmm. And when COVID kicked in, it was like, oh, none of this matters. 
Right. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what athlete knows my name. It doesn't matter which book I get to be a part of an author, be an author of. It doesn't matter, you know, some documentary calls and wants to document some of these practices with some of my athletes. None mm-hmm. of that matters. I mean, it does because I'm not going to get too, you know, that money doesn't matter because it does. Right. You need to provide for your family. But, you know, during that COVID time, it was like, wow, I really enjoy being home. I really enjoy, um, this freedom of time. And Mm -hmm. I think as a coach, you're always, or even not as a coach, as a player, as a, as a young man, young woman, you're always taught that more money's better. And I mean, I fully support anyone getting after the bag, go get your money, but there's a big difference between quality of life Mm -hmm. and standard of living. Mm -hmm. And most people just, they get so consumed with how much, other people make and what they think they should make that they don't Mm -hmm. realize that they would be happier with making a lot less money with the freedom that that less responsibility entails. Um, And I think when you don't chase money, money comes. Mm -hmm. And by taking that avenue and by taking that direction, it's put me into position where I do have the ability to turn down opportunities. Um, So I'm just, I'm very thankful, man, to, uh, that, that I did take that leap of faith and that I had a support system that encouraged me to do it. Yeah, definitely a testimony and a very big uh, blessing to be able to do that. And it's funny because I remember we had a conversation about this before in one of our sessions, just in terms of, you know, you right now, you're pretty much moving at your own clock. You know, you don't have to be in a training facility from what do we say, like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. pretty much. Yeah, yeah man. Um, you know, allowing, you know, just being able to have that freedom as a coach, I can only imagine, you know, how much that's been able to, you know, help you just not only as a coach, but also as a husband, a father, you know, you got time to actually spend with your family, not being locked in a training facility from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. each and every day. So I think that's really a good take too. And, you know, obviously we had the conversation about it because I remember a while back I was asking, I'm like, have you got any job offers from like professional teams and stuff like that? Cause I mean, I was just curious. I'm like, yo, like you're good. Like you're more than good. But obviously, you know, I understand the reason why, you know, you do what you do in the way you do it now. So I think that's very interesting to take as well. And also, you know, going into obviously entrepreneurship, like I mentioned, being the CEO of multiple businesses, multiple companies from a management perspective, Vernon, how have you been able to manage, you know, multiple businesses, you know, through this time? And alongside with that, for other entrepreneurs looking to become successful in that entrepreneurship space, what advice would you have to offer them? Um, Advice moving into this space. Um, For one, sometimes the the worst part about being your own boss is that you are your own boss. And that's sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes that's one of my biggest issues is I am my own boss. So I do have the the freedom to do kind of whatever I want. Mm -hmm. But once you are your own boss or you are the top of the whatever it is, you have employees, whatever it may be. It's just a different outlook, man. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a difference between knowing that everything that you do is going to contribute to the success of your company. It's going to contribute to the success of your family, the future versus you just you know, you're living someone else's dream. There's that old m- meme that you see all the time. Like you can build for your dream or you can build for someone else's. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so true. And, um, it, there's a lot of like hesitancy. Like, I don't know if I can do it. I yeah. still feel a ton of imposter syndrome. And I talk to my therapist about it kind of often. Like 
I, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. Like I don't deserve to have this seat at the table. Like I, I feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I don't think you ever get rid of that, but I kind of like that chip. I like that feeling of that. I'm not supposed to be here or this yeah. isn't my seat. Um, cause it, it makes it so you never take it for granted. Um, mm-hmm. but there is, in my opinion, and it does come with pluses and negatives, but, uh, being your own boss, having your own company, it, it is to me, it's the best feeling. Mm-hmm. And, um, any advice I would give to someone is just do it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Like don't overcommit yourself, obviously, and don't put yourself or your family in a financial burden. Right. But I had a good mentor of mine when I was considering, you know, the leap and changing things. He told, gave me the advice of build a bridge before you need to cross it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I keep tight to me with every opportunity that presents itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with building a bridge or connecting with someone or networking, or maybe this project takes off. Maybe it doesn't, but that right. doesn't, if you always build it before you need to cross it so that you have the opportunity to, you may never cross it. You may never, you know, sign off on this bow tie company that you want to start as a hobby, but mm-hmm. maybe it does take off. Maybe you build this thing up and it's now it gets to the point where this hobby now makes you more money than your nine to five. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now you cross that bridge, but build it before you need to cross it. I think that's a really interesting take as well. And I mean, obviously very true because a lot of times like entrepreneurs, especially in this kind of get rich quick scheme of 2022, you see a lot of people just taking off with the business, but before actually building that platform and that bridge, and it's like, you know, you might be hot for a few months, maybe even a year or two, but after that, it's like, okay, where's the money now? You know, is the money still coming in? So in terms of like, obviously entrepreneurship from a financial perspective in terms of like money management, do you have like financial advisors that you consult with or how is like that side of entrepreneur entrepreneurship for you? Um, so I actually have a business degree as well. So I have a little bit of experience from that, but one mm-hmm. of the best things I did was one of my clients was actually an accountant. Nice. And I, don't, I, I can't remember why I took him on as a client. I think it was like a favor that I took on for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I was like, hey, man, like, are you taking on any clients? I'll be <laughs> right. And he was like, yeah. And he has opened my eyes to money. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a reason wealthy people stay wealthy and continue to become wealthy. And people that are not wealthy don't become wealthy. And it's right. just because how you use money, like there's so many loopholes and tricks of the trade and There was one thing he said to me one time, and I'll never forget it. He said, Mm -hmm. uh, stop asking me, is this a tax write-off? And start (laughs) thinking, why is it not a tax write-off? And I was like, huh. And and he was like, that's how how wealthy people look at money. Like, Mm -hmm. how can I take this money and use it to create a bigger opportunity? One of the, like you just, I guess when you you just asked a couple minutes ago, what's one of the best pieces of business advice is if you were on the fence, open an LLC, mm-hmm. like just open it in the state of Virginia. I think it's like $99, like open an LLC because that's the fastest way to, to wealth or, or mm-hmm. time freedom, whatever it is, because now your business supplies things. Now your business buy things. And not only that, but it gives you protection. If someone was to ever come after me, they can't, they'd have to get through two two of my businesses before they even ever touch my name. So mm-hmm. now it does, it protects you, it protects your family. And as well, it gives you an opportunity that now I can go connect with this coach or I can go see this athlete. And now all my travel is, is 
of write off. I mean, you're still paying for it, yeah. but now it's now money that you spend is now money that you are investing because when right. you spend money, it's gone. But mm-hmm. when you invest money, now there's something greater going on afterwards, whether you're going to get a return for it or you get to account for it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so by having that LLC, by thinking of long money, not short money, yeah. um, that's that's where I think the win is. Ooh, so many gems, man. I am going to watch this episode and, <laughs> and be marking everything you just said down really, though, because I mean, I, I I really think it's important because and it's funny because I was literally just having a conversation with my brother. Right. He is um just starting a clothing line. And um, we had some people trying to get some clothing for free. It's like, bro, like you can't do that. Like it's the price is there for a reason. It's you know, they might be heard about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're in business to maintain and stay in business. We're not in business to do favors for other people. So. In terms of price like that, you know, you have to set the price and keep it there at the end of the yeah. day, you know, trying to make money here. So and, definitely and, uh, a lot of great information for sure. Friend zone, friend zone asks for discounts. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. If, Real friends. If, if you have a friend that is starting a business, then don't ask for anything for free. Pay them. If you have a friend that starting up a little food truck or mm-hmm. something, pay. Don't ask for a discount. You don't yeah. go to Target and ask for discounts. Why are you going <laughs> to right. ask a, like that's in, immediately taking away from their profit and their livelihood, mm-hmm. like pay full price. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. A lot of good gems in that. So also, Vern, I think it's very, of course, fitting that we have the mobility conversation, right? Before I met you and before I started working with you, the exercise that we had got on, it was like, bro, like this was foreign language to me, but it made sense the more I started doing it. And um, two quick stories I do want to point out. Obviously, number one, we had talked about it because I remember when um, we first started training together before I left for that summer league in Lithuania last year. Um, we trained together. We started doing the shin box rotations. You know, I'm opening up my hips. I'm opening up my wingspan a little bit more. And, um, you know, I got out there. I'm making moves I've never made before. I'm hitting turnaround step backs. It's a whole bunch of crazy stuff. I'm getting shifty in transition. And then also a second story. I don't even think I shared this with you yet. But um, last opportunity of the season in Estonia out in Europe. First day of strength and conditioning workouts, because I joined them pretty late in the season. We're hitting the drop lunge like the very first day. And it's like, hold on, wait a second. Like, I remember doing this, but it's like, obviously, I know you humble. You ain't going to take credit for none of that. But in terms of these unconventional mobility workouts that are now popular, how have you been able to, you know, develop all of that in the sense of, you know, athlete to athlete, like multiple sports, NFL, NBA, um, you know, just multiple athletes and stuff. How have you been able to actually develop that? Uh, I mean, it comes through, in my opinion, collaboration. Um, every coach, I mean, every person has an ego. Um, but if an athlete comes to me, it's not my job to put my thumb on them and be like, do it my way. It's not my job to be like, hey, this worked for someone else, whatever. It's collaboration. It's asking, hey, how do you feel? Where do you feel this? What's it feel like? Did that feel good? Were you sore last time? And those sort of conversations in my mind have opened from what I took from a university setting of, oh, this is the black and white uh, box that you got to fit in. And it's now yeah. like, why is there a box to begin with? Movement, movement is endless. Movement is fluid. Right. Movement is continuously changing. And um, I had I, the business I used to own and run. A lot of the guys I worked with were amputees, uh, military disabled veterans. So when you're dealing with someone that doesn't have a limb or someone that has multiple injuries, um, for, for one injury, there's a textbook answer. There's a flow chart. Hey, if this guy has rotator cuff issues or, you know, an ACL uh, rehab, th- these are the steps we can take. But when someone has two injuries 
You don't know if they're separate injuries, if one of them's chronic, if one of them's acute, if one of them started from the other, where do Mm -hmm. you start? It just starts with quality movement. How do you feel? That's one of the biggest misconceptions that I think coaches forget to ask is asking the athletes, man, how do you feel? How does this feel? Like we just take it for granted that, oh, they're just doing this and they're just trying to please us and they're here because of me. When in reality, a coach can't coach without an athlete, but an athlete can athlete without a coach. So it's swallowing your ego, swallow the whistle and realize that, man, I am here because of this person. And specifically me as a, you know, as an independent professional, like people seek me out. It's not like I'm in a university setting or a professional setting and they show up and they got to listen to me because for really true ourselves, they don't. Um, So to me, it's just experimentation, collaboration with athletes, um, watching them move. Um, I spend a lot of time, a lot of my guys send me film and stuff and watching their bodies. And it's like, Hey, how can I best prepare this human being for the demands of the task, for the demands of the sport? And then from there, that opens that conversation of what could we actually do to influence those factors that make with them special. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And um, it's definitely an interesting take, too, because obviously you work with so many different athletes, so many different sports and being able to study film. You know, I definitely think that's key because obviously I know my basketball guys, the coaches, the trainers, they study film. But it's also important to see that, too, because, you know, obviously the drop lunge, for example, it opened up my hips. So now I'm able to make that crossover a little bit quicker. Same workouts and um, that you do with your football guys, too. I'm pretty sure that opened up their ability to just move their bodies and this stuff like that on the football field too um i definitely think that's a very interesting take i mean i faithfully hit those workouts every morning (laughs) afternoon now and um they definitely helped me out tremendously so for anybody who's watching definitely sign up for the online program man for sure um with you vernon i'm not gonna you know hold you any longer i know you know we had a lengthy conversation here and everything appreciate you again man is there anything you would like to leave fans with today oh man um I'll leave you with the best piece of advice that I've ever been given um, as a coach, but I think anyone can kind of take this. Uh, as when I talk to an old friend or something, or you talk to an old friend or something, most people say like, Hey, how are you doing? How are, how are things? A common response that I was giving and I see a lot of my friends giving is, Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm just trying to balance work and family. I'm just trying to, you know, get everything together and balance things. And I had a coach, I had a coach one time or a mentor of mine, uh, George Carvajal, that said, um, you can't balance things that are not equal. Mm-hmm. Family and work are never equal. They are A and B. They're not A and A. Right. And I was like, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so don't, try, don't try to balance things that are not equal. Make sure you mm-hmm. keep perspective on what's most important. Absolutely. Definitely a good take, man. And like I said, I, uh, We'll be copying down a lot of notes, just mental notes, and I, you know, advise all the other viewers of this episode to do the same, Vernon. I appreciate you, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on, Jordan.